0: It's so good to have you join with us this evening again on our Bible study. Coming to you is Pastor Carl Francis, coming to you from Living Word Open Bible Church. We're glad that you're able to join us again this evening for our Bible study. Uh, we had a great time last week, and uh, we're looking forward to a great time this week as we go right back in and dig into our teaching. I pray that you've had a Good couple of days so far for this week, and that you've been staying healthy. We've been praying for you all, and believing in God uh, for a breakthrough. And we're believing in God that this virus situation will be over soon. I mean, God's God, God is a supernatural God, and He's able to do things that no one else can do. And so, uh, we're looking forward to that. I wanna I wanna read a passage of scripture that uh, that I'm that I'm looking to that I'm trusting in. It's in Psalm 135 it says praise the Lord praise the name of the Lord praise him you servants of the Lord you who minister in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of her God praise the Lord why it says for the Lord is good sing praise to his name for that is pleasant for the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own Israel to be his treasured possession I know that the Lord is great that our Lord is greater than all gods the Lord does listen to this the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth did you hear that the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth in the seas And all their depths. He made clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. These are some of the things that God does. And our God is an awesome God. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I want you to agree with me that this virus, enough is enough. Hallelujah that we've come to that point where we said, God, we're asking you for your supernatural intervention, one way or the other, either to dry it up or to send a cure, because nothing is too difficult for God. So as we pray right now, as I open in prayer, I want you to join with me. I'm so glad to see so many of you joining us. We give God praise to each and every one of you, uh, Sister Kane, Susan. Uh, Great to have you with us, as usual, Angelina and others. We thank God for you. So let's pray. Let's, Let's agree together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you. And as we prepare to study your word in the midst of this coronavirus situation, Lord, we believe in that there is nothing too difficult for you. Nothing is impossible with you. And so, God, we're asking you for a supernatural intervention, either drying up this virus somehow or sending the cure, God, giving someone. Let there be a breakthrough for the vaccine, Father. We're believing you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we know who you are. Your word says you do as, as you please in heaven and on earth. You are the sovereign ruler of the universe. So we call on you tonight and we stand in agreement for a breakthrough, for a change in the situation. We give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you glory. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us in our time together now. We ask that you would be very present and give us understanding and wisdom as we look at your word. We thank you for hearing and answering. In Jesus' name, amen. We still have a chorus I'd like us to sing together how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great is our God how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and all will see how great how great is our god name above all names name above all names You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing, How great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Hallelujah. Well, we got a lot to cover this evening because we want to pick up where we left off the last time. As you remember, we're dealing with the end time situation, biblical prophecy. We've been talking about. Uh, where things are on the prophetic timeline of God. And uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about uh, the different theological viewpoints. We touched on the amillennial view, uh, which says there will be no literal millennial kingdom on earth, but it will be a spiritual reign of Christ. And that's going to happen between the first and the second coming which they believe is taking place right now. And then there is the post-millennial view that says it's going to happen again also between the first and second coming, but in portions. And it's, again, a spiritual reign. And then we looked at what we believe. uh, We are pre-millennialists that believe that that the millennium is going to come immediately after the second coming of Christ. And so it will be a literal, physical kingdom where Christ will reign on earth, and He will be the leader and the ruler of the world out of Jerusalem. So we believe that, and so we talked about about that, and then we began to look at the rapture, and uh, we talked about various views on the rapture. Uh, we said that the rapture is the next imminent event on God's prophetic timetable. It could occur at any time. And uh, remember, we looked at there are views that regarding the rapture and the tribulation. There were those who were mid-trib, who believes that the rapture is going to take place in the middle of the tribulation. And there were those that were post-trib, that believe that the rapture is going to take place after the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, and then we who are pre-trib believe that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation, that we are going to be out of here. Now, I want to um give you three reasons why we subscribe to the pre-trib situation. Why do we believe that the rapture is going to take place before? The tribulation well number one first of all the Bible promises that God's people are exempt from the coming wrath of the tribulation period and we find that in first Thessalonians 1 verse 10 and verse Thessalonians 5 and 9 and Revelation 3 and verse 10 then the second thing why we believe that is only the pre trib position allows for an imminent and signless coming of Christ for his bride. And we find those scriptures that reference that for us in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7, and Titus 2, 13. Now, the key New Testament passage that deals with the tribulation period consistently failed to mention the presence of the church. What passage am I talking about? I referred to that the last time. Revelation six to Revelation nineteen deals with the tribulation period. Revelation six to Revelation nineteen deals with the tribulation period. When you read those passages, there is the absence; there is no mention of the church. But in Revelations one to five, the church. Is specifically mentioned 19 times. So that's why we believe in the pre-trib that rapture is going to take place. We're going to be out of here before the tribulation starts. Now, I know that last time someone asked the question. We said, I said, you need to be there for be rapture ready. And somebody asked the question: what does it mean by rapture ready? I hope you joined us this evening that asked that question uh, because I want to explain that to you, what we mean by that. Well, first of all, to be rapture ready, we, we you have to be saved. That's the first step. You need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So that's the first step because if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, he's only coming back for believers. So if you're not saved, You wouldn't first of all be rapture ready. So that's one thing. The second thing is that you have to live in such a way so that when the rapture takes place, you're not ashamed at his coming. Now, listen to what the Bible says about that in first John chapter two and verse twenty-eight. It says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. Before him at his coming. So that's the second thing to be rapture ready. You really need to be living a lifestyle so that when he actually appears, you're not ashamed. And then the second thing is to live the life such a way that when the time of judgment comes, you will not suffer lust. And the Bible tells us, indeed, that the hope of the uh, of the of the imminent rapture has a sanctifying influence in the life of believers. We don't want to get caught doing something that we are ashamed of when Christ comes, and we will be taken to the judgment seat, where Jesus Himself will be the judge for those who have been redeemed by His precious blood. So uh, we and and at that time we don't want to suffer in the loss. So, to be rapture ready, the big thing really is to be saved. So, if you are saved and you're walking with the Lord and you are living according to His Word, my friend, you'll be ready to go. You'll be ready to go and you'll be all right. Now, the last time I said I wanted to deal with a couple of questions, and as I was preparing, this study uh i i realized that i may only get through one of those questions that i talked about because there's so much to talk about and uh, i don't know uh, you know you may have to go back and listen to the message afterwards and write down stuff because i'm going to give you a lot of stuff but it's a lot of good information and you're going to want to know this you're going to want to know and one of the questions we asked the last time and said that we're going to answer today is what happens when we are raptured to heaven what happens in heaven when we get there what happens well when we get there the bible teaches us that we are going to go to the judgment seat of christ it's the judgment seat of christ now first corinthians uh chapter four and verse five says Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Did you hear that? He will bring light what is hidden in darkness. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So when the Lord comes, when the rapture takes place, because remember, and, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit later probably about the difference between the rapture and the second coming. When the rapture takes place, the Lord Himself will come in the air and He's going to take His bride, the church, away with Him. As we looked at in John chapter 14, the last time that He'd gone to prepare a place and He's coming back to take us. And He will. He will bring our deepest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. And then God will give everyone whatever praise is due. So at the rapture, all the believers of the church age, those that are saved between the day of Pentecost, when the church was formed, and when the rapture takes place, all believers in that time will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not going to be a judgment seat like you may be thinking. It's called a judgment seat. And uh, some people refer to it as the Bema judgment. And that word Bema means seat. So that's why it is sometimes referred to as the Bema judgment. And we are told in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us, each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so what is the purpose of the judgment that we are going to be going through as believers when we are raptured to heaven? It is, first of all, not to determine whether we're going to be in heaven or going to go in hell. That's not why we're going to the judgment seat of Christ. It is not to meet out punishment for sin. Why? Because John chapter 5 and verse 24 tells us this. It says, Verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus is speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life so my friend when you are raptured it won't be so you're going to be judged and you go to the judgment seat of christ it will not be about your sins so what's going to be about then if it's not about our sins somebody asks well i'm glad you asked it's going to be about two primary things Now, here's the first thing. It's going to be to review our life. It's going to review our life. First of all, it's going to review our conduct. He will be fair in his review. It will be impartial. It will be thorough. But it will be gracious. Now, Romans chapter 10, sorry, Romans chapter 14, verse 10 to 12, help us with this. It says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will acknowledge me. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves. To God. My friend, it was going to be an individual thing. It's not going to be a family. It's not even going to be couples. It's going to be individuals. Each of us will have to give an account for ourselves. That is why you can't allow someone else to let you miss the rapture because you're not going to be a parent as a wife and husband or as a family. You're going to be a individually. And you and us, each of us, have to give an account. So God is going to, first of all, review our conduct. Secondly, he's going to review our service. The Bible talks about the works that we carry out. You see, here's the thing. Works cannot save us. But works matters after salvation. And so... Uh in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 it teaches us that it says each one's work 1 Corinthians 3:13 each one's work will become clear for the day what's talking about the day when we're at the judgment seat will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So the Bible says you may suffer loss as a believer at the judgment seat, in that you may miss a reward or rewards, but you yourself will be saved. There's no question that you are going to be in heaven. The question of whether you're going to go to hell again is already resolved. That's not in question. That's why the Bible says he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. We'll save from the wrath of God because we're not going to hell. We're already going to be in heaven. We're going to be there regardless if we lose reward. Now, so he's going to review our conduct. He's going to review our service. And my friend, this is the one that is very interesting. He's going to review all words. Now, can you imagine? We're going to have to give account of every word we've spoken. You're kidding, Pastor. No, I'm not kidding. Matthew chapter 12 tells us that. You want to write that down. Matthew 12, 36 to 37. Let me explain. Jesus is speaking. Let me tell, let me read what it says for you. But I tell you that. Everyone, not just some, my friend, everyone will have to give an an account on that day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. We have to be careful of what we're saying. Guard your words. Watch what you're saying. Good to see you, Chris And Claudine and Gail nice to have you on and uh, and Robin praise God we need to guard our words we need to guard what we're saying because uh, you know it may seem like not a big deal now but we're gonna have to give an account of that so I don't want to just say anything so he's gonna he's going to review our conduct he's gonna review our service he's gonna review our words and my friend He's going to review our thoughts and motives. Oh my goodness. Our thoughts and motives. Well, where did I get it from? First Corinthians 4, verse 5. It goes on, it says again, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So at the judgment seat, All our conduct or service or words or thoughts and motives will be turned inside out and will appear in their true light. So, you know, people may pretend to be wanting to do something, but in their hearts they don't really want to do it. And, uh, you know, so you got to be very careful. So when you volunteer at church and you're at your church, wherever you serve. I know people are watching us from all over different parts, different countries, as well as different states. Uh, wherever you serve in your church and you volunteer or you minister, check. we have to stop and check our motives. Why am I doing this? And we want to be able to ask the Lord to give us a desire to serve him out of love because of what he's done for us. Because we owe him our lives. The Bible says we are bought with a price. We are not our own, my friend. And because we're not our own, we belong to God. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, but I don't know if you if you recognize this. But in the midst of this thick crisis here that we are in, there's so many lessons to learn. There's so many things to grasp. I mean, have you really grasped and understand what's really important? I mean, who would have thought you could have done without a lot of the things that we're doing without now? I mean, you know, it's shut down. You can't go to the stores. You can't go to the ballpark. You can't even just now. some parks are open. You couldn't go to the beach. You couldn't go to the movies. I mean, everything was taken away around the world. Wow. Not just in a city around the world and so we got to understand that there is a time coming when all of this is going to shut down too and we are now going to be in eternity and we're going to be standing before God and then giving an account so my friend i i want you to know that we need to be very careful so the first thing when we get to the judgment seat God is going to review He's going to review our life. The second thing that why we're going to be there is to get our reward. To the sister Vala and Carolyn and, and uh, sister Danvers and others, praise God, is to review our reward. He's going to give us our reward. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, he made a powerful statement years ago before he passed. He said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, those who have faithfully served the Lord will gain eternal rewards and they can never lose for that. The New Testament focuses On five specific rewards or crowns that believers will receive at the judgment seat of Christ. So after he's reviewed our lives, you know, that's the that's that's the grading, then he's going to do the rewards. Now, one of the rewards the Bible talks about is the incorruptible crown. And that reward is for those who consistently practice self-discipline and self-control. Now <laughs> I'm not sure where you where you are on that one. I, and I'm trying, I'm looking at myself to where we are on that. Listen to what First Corinthians 9 24 to 27 says. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So that's where we get the idea from about we're going to get a crown. Because it says in the races that we know the races today, uh, you know, they don't get crowns today, but in the in the days back of Paul time, they would get floral crowns in the, with the winner for the race. Today they give you medals, and you get a gold medal for the who to win the race. So he says only one run wins the race. And he says in those times, they ran the race to get a crown that won't last. Why? Because I just told you that it was made of flowers. So it's not going to last. But he says we run to get a crown that will last forever. Oh, yes, my friend. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly." Paul says. I do not fight like a boxer beat in the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So Paul says, I try to practice self-discipline so that I don't miss out on the prize, the incorruptible crown. So that's one reward. Now let's go to the next reward. The crown of righteousness. The crown of Who is that for? The re- this reward is for those who eagerly look for the Lord's coming and live righteous lives in view of the Lord. You know, not everybody's really, not even believers, not everybody's saying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Not everybody's saying that, but there are people who are saying, oh, Lord. Come quickly. This this is too much. We need you to come quickly, God. And uh, many are saying that. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 7 to 8, here's what it says. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. This was when Paul knew he was going to leave the earth. I have kept the faith. Listen to what he says now. 2 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Listen to this. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know, I I listened to Jonathan, um, uh, not my son, Jonathan, Jonathan Evans. Uh, the son of Dr. Tony Evans, and he was talking about the last days of his mother. And he was saying and giving that when he was with her some days, she would say, they're calling my name. They, they, they're they calling my name for the reward. Because she would go in and out. She would move between heaven and earth. See, that was happening. She was moving between heaven and earth. And she was beginning to see that they are preparing to give her her reward. Because remember, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's what's going to happen then. So Paul says that he is in store for him is a crown of righteousness. And he said, it's not only for me. It's for all those who long. For the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the coming of the Lord. So if you're one of those who are saying, God, oh, the Lord would come soon. My friend, and you're walking righteously, crown of righteousness for you. Crown of righteousness. And then there's a third reward. It's called the crown of life. The reward is for those who faithfully endure and persevere on the truth. Trials and test of life. You know, good to see you, Sister Sancho. Uh, many are going through some tough times. Uh, there are brethren in the world who are going through some trials. It would be it would it would be so difficult for us to conceive that they're able to endure. There are those who have been uh, because of their faith, they're placed in a freezer. And when they are almost frozen to death, they take them out and put them in a heated room. They're torturing them. And all because they want them to renounce Jesus Christ. And they refuse to renounce Christ. So I'm telling you, some people are going through some tough things. And what are they going to get for that? They're going to get the crown of life. Revelation 2.10 tells us that. Revelation 2.10. It says this. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. Talking to a church. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. There it is. That's where we get it from, from the scriptures. So we said there is the reward will be the incorruptible crown for some, the crown of righteousness for others, the crown of life for others. There is also a crown of rejoicing, my friend. This is a reward for those people who win people to Christ. Those evangelists, those who are sharing their faith, those who witness for God. First Thessalonians 2.19 tells us that. Here's what it says. For what is our hope, Paul says to the Thessalonians? What is our hope, he's speaking to them, our joy, our crown, in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Well, good evening, Sister Geneva. Good to see you. I want to tell you, There is a crown of rejoicing for those who win people to Christ. My friend, you want to be witnessing. You want to be sharing your faith. There's a crown of righteousness. That sounds like some people could end up with more than one crown, actually. Doesn't that sound that way to you? Because if they qualify on the different ones, they probably get more than one crown. Nothing's wrong with several rewards. And then there is a fifth one we see in the scriptures. It's called the crown of glory, the crown of glory. And who is this for? This is a reward for pastors and elders and church leaders who lovingly and graciously shepherd and oversee God's people. So 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 to 4 tells us that. It says, to the elders among you, Peter write, I appeal as a fellow elder And a witness of Christ's suffering also, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, that is Christ, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. See, I've shared with you the five rewards that are crowns and I've given you the scripture references for each of them. We're not making them up. This is not some man-made theology. This is what the Bible says. And I I only want to give what the Bible teaches. Never want to assume or make up anything. And so when we are raptured, we are going to be going to the first, to the judgment seat of Christ. And the first thing is, he's going to review our lives. He's going to review our lives. He's going to review our conduct. He's going to review our service. He's going to review our words. He's going to review our thoughts and motives, not our sins. That's I've been taken care of already. And then he's going to reward us. Now, I want you to, the Bible talks about, well, first of all, you may ask, what are we going to do with those crowns? Well, you know, we, we, we learn from the elders in Revelation what they did. Good to see you, Becca. Glad you joined us. We're answering the questions. It says, what are we going to be doing with those crowns? In humble gratitude, we're going to do like what the angels in heaven, they do. They cast the crowns at the feet of the Redeemer because only he is worthy of glory, power, and honor. So we we don't deserve it. So we're going to give the crowns back to Christ. We're going to cast them at his feet and say, Lord, you deserve the crown. Because it was you who suffered on the cross for us. It is you who made the way for us. It is you who paid the price for us. It is you who enabled us and empowered us. In addition to the crown, the other main reward the faithful receive is responsibility and authority in the coming kingdom. Now, I've been telling people that a lot of times when I minister, I've been saying that right now, my friend, is a dress rehearsal. Right now, the life that we're living as believers right now, we are in training for the time when we get into the millennium. When we are living on earth and we will be ruling with Christ right here on terra firma. Now, we will have a different body because we will be changed when he returns. And he will have taken us. The rapture would have come, taken us first to heaven. When he comes back for this and the second coming, and then set up the millennium, our bodies will be different. We would have different bodies, we'll have glorified bodies, but we will be serving with him. We'll get responsibility. And our responsibility and our level of responsibility will depend and what we're doing right now. Good to see you, Sister Tamara. All right, so here's the thing. Paul gives us three pictures to help us understand what our responsibility and how God is going to determine what our responsibility is going to be. So first of all, he tried to tell us what the judgment is going to be like by giving us three pictures. One of them is a building. So Paul uses a building in First Corinthians chapter 3, 10 to 15. Paul says, the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. See, God's fear. It's going to be according to your own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Paul continue. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation is Christ. Using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. What does it mean by those gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay? Hold on, I'm coming to it. Because the day will need to light, Paul says. It will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So you know. So did you notice that the reward is not automatic? All works going to be tested, and if it survives, we're going to receive a reward. Paul says in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians here, chapter three, he says. If it's burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. So he will suffer the loss, but he won't be, he'll be saved still. He's not going to hell. He's not going to get get another, but he's going to be still in heaven, but he won't have any rewards. No rewards. So what is this about wood, hay, and straw? What is that? Paul is using... These terms to represent our activities and attitudes that are motivated by a desire for self-glory. In other words, if we do things to God, if we do things to God in the kingdom of God, if we whatever we're doing, whether we help in church, where we volunteer, where we minister, or we help somebody, if it's so that other people can see us and and pat us and tell us how good we are, you know, some people. If nobody don't see them and tell them how good they are, they pout. You know, if if that's what you're after, then the Bible says when your works are tested by fire, it may either be wood or hay or stubble. It means it's gonna burn up. It means there'll be no reward because you got your reward already. If men pat you on the back because that's what you were seeking. And they pat you on the back and told you what a wonderful job you did, how great you are. You already got your reward there. Because what that's what you're after, if that's not the case. I hope that's not your case, my friend. But that's what some people are. On the other hand, if your motive is right, if you're motivated by the Holy Spirit, for the glory of God, and you're doing things for the benefit of the Lord, for the expansion of God's kingdom, so that God can get the glory, then you would have been built in with gold and silver and costly stones. Now, even then, you notice that there are different, different materials. Even if your motive is right, and even if you're Holy Spirit and you're seeking the glory of God, not everybody's work is at the same level. You know, if you ask some people to clean somewhere or you give different parts of the place to sweep up, you know, some people sweep it very clean. And some people sweep it, and when you go back, you wonder, did it, how come they missed this? And some people sweep it, and it looks clean at first, but when you look at it closely, you still see that there's some stuff still there. So that's what happens when you're talking about those that are building on the foundation. Good to see you, Sister K. Gold and silver and costly stones. Now, remember, uh, Sister Nella, good to see you. Uh, remember now that Christ is the foundation. And whatever we're doing now, our activities and our attitudes, my friend, that's why you've got to have the right attitude don't want to have the wrong attitude. You need the right attitude. When you're doing something for God, you want to have the proper attitude. Because otherwise you'll get no reward. So Paul uses a building to explain what the judgment rewards will be like. He also uses uh, the example of a steward or a manager. Because you know we've often said, which is true, Everything we think we own belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. We're just managers. First Corinthians 4, 1 to 2 tell us. It says, This then is how you ought to regard us, Paul says, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Bible says it is required of stewards. That they be found faithful. At the judgment seat, the Lord will evaluate how we use our time, how we use the treasure He gave us, how we use the talents He's given us. So, you know, the money that we earn is not really ours, it belongs to God. And how we spend it is important. What you're hearing, my friend, and what I think you're recognizing is that. Whatever we do, whatever we do now, or activities, or attitudes, or motives, all of that is going to come into question. Now, you know, so guess what the point is? There's no point in trying to pretend then. There's no point in trying to uh, impress people. You know... It, it, There's no reason. Don't don't want to try to impress anybody, my friend. Because we're not getting anywhere by doing that. Good to see you, Sister Doreen and Dee Denver's. Good to see you, Misty. Uh, It's not. We don't want to impress people. The person you want to impress is God. And with God, you have to have the right attitude. You know, you could be busy doing a lot of stuff for him. But if you have the wrong motive and the wrong attitude, it's not going to get you anywhere. And that's what we're seeing. Because in Matthew chapter 25, you remember where the, the talents, where Jesus talked about uh, a man going on a journey, he called his servants and entrusted them with his wealth. He gave five bags to one, two bags to another, and one bag to the next person. And listen to what it says. Each according to their ability. You know, that's the thing about God. He doesn't ask us to do something that he does not equip us to do. If he's asked you to do something, he's giving you the ability to do it. He has given you the ability to do it. That's why he's asking you to do it. And so Matthew 25, 14 and on explains that concept to us. Because when the master returned from the long journey to settle the accounts, like Jesus is going to do with us, when he comes back in a rapture, and we go to be with him in heaven. That's to settle the accounts. The Bible says the one who got the five talents went up first. And he says, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You hear the responsibility? That's what I'm talking about. He gets responsibility on the basis of his performance. And Jesus said to him, come and share your master's happiness. And then the one who came back with the two, the one who got the two, came with the two. And he says, master, you entrusted me with two bags. And see, I have gained two more. And what did Jesus say to him? Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad you got two, but you could have gotten some more. No, no, he didn't say that. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Did you hear that the commendation was exactly the same as the one who got? who got five and brought five more. The commendation for the one with the two, who got the two talents and brought two more, was the same as the one who got five and brought five more. So one ended up with ten, and one ended up with four, but they got the same commendation from the Lord. Why? Because each was according to their own ability. You have some five talents people, that's only using one talent. You have some five talents people. That may be only using three of those talents. And you have some two talents people. That are using their full talents. They're using all two of their talents. What I'm trying to say for you to understand. Is that God has assigned to us. Responsibilities are given to us. Privileges. Ways to serve. According to the ability he has given to us already. So, if God asks you to serve on this ministry, and then you ask you to serve in another ministry and another ministry, and you're saying, wait a minute, I'm in three ministries. I, I don't think I can manage them. Well, maybe because they recognize that you're a talented person. Have you ever thought about that? And maybe, and God's calling you to use those talents. Now you know there are some people that are just two talent and of course you can't do more than two. But I don't want you I don't want you to forget about the person that got one talent. One talent. He got one talent. You know what he did? He didn't do anything with it. He brought it back to the master. And he said, "Master, I know you're a hard man, and you want things somewhere you did not plant you want to reap where you didn't plant anything and you want to benefit from others so I hid your your one talent tonight and I, I bring it back and give it back to you and Jesus says that wicked servant take the one talent from him and who does he give it to the one with the four that's probably where you and I would have done no he gave it to the one with the ten why because that person has demonstrated. That they have the ability to do well and you know God may give you the talent but you still have to work hard you know just because you have the talent doesn't mean it comes easy you have to work hard I was watching the last dance that's on TV with Michael Jordan and I mean I mean he's a hard worker I mean he didn't become Michael Jordan Air Jordan for nothing he took a lot of beating, and he worked hard, and he had a determined, a determination to, to excel and to be the best. And he had to practice and practice and practice more. And when others stopped practicing, he kept practicing. Even though he had natural, raw talent, you can tell that. But to develop the talent to the level, you have to work hard. So in the kingdom of God right now, God will call you to responsibilities but he's not calling you to responsibility so you can be in your easy chair. He's calling to responsibilities and he's giving you different responsibilities according to your ability. Now here's the key. Here's the key. Listen up carefully. You see, how you responsibility you get in the kingdom is based on what you're doing now. So remember when Jesus said to the man with the five talents, he said, because you've been faithful over a few things, I will give you ruler over many things. Whatever you, however you are faithful now, my friend, you are determining the responsibility you're going to have in the kingdom. Some of you are going to be supervisors. Some of you may not be supervisors if you don't chip up. Some people will be middle managers. Some people will be top managers some people be over cities some people be over counties some people be over nation and some people are going to be over nations all depend on how you perform now now that's why what you do now is so important my friend do not minimize what you're doing now Do not take it for granted. You know, when everything is over, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It won't matter how many PhDs you have. It won't matter how many houses you own. It won't matter how many cars you have. It won't matter how much money you have in the bank. One life to live will soon be last. And only what's done for Christ will last. That's where you got to put your focus, my friend. Nice to see you, Bernice. And then we have, Paul gave another example. You see how many examples Paul giving us? He's trying to let us get the picture because this is important stuff. He says, he talked about an athlete. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Paul says, do, he talks about the race. Remember, we read that before. And he was saying that... The way it's going to be, it's like an athlete. So we looked at what we do now is like building a building. And we're building on a superstructure. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And the superstructure is our activities and our attitudes. And we are managers. And he's going to look at how we manage our time, our talents, and our treasures. And then Paul says... We are like athletes that are running a race. They run to receive a reward that's going to fade away and perish. We run to receive a reward that's going to last forever. And Paul was trying to say to us, the same commitment and dedication that makes a winning athlete will make a winning Christian. You know, Uh, Those athletes that you see, Bolt, Bolt doesn't get to be Bolt and to be all over the world and and to win the Olympics so many times without dedication and commitment. You know, he can't practice sometimes. He has to practice all the time. He can't train sometimes. He has to train all the time. He can't say, well, it's raining, you know, it's raining, I can't bother to go out here today, you know, I can't bother to tra-. No, no, rain or shine, you have to train. Rain or shine, you need to serve the Lord. My friend, this is serious business. Because, you know, like I said, the mortgage won't be an issue later on. The car payment won't be an issue later on. Your 401k won't be an issue later on. We're going to stand before him at the judgment seat. And we're going to have to give an account of all these things that I'm talking about. And by the way, if you say, I didn't know, he's going to remind you of today. And he's going to say, did you remember that Boudreaux that Pastor Francis had when he did this on Facebook Live on May the 5th in 2020? So my friend. There will be no excuse for anyone. We need to know and understand. Laverne, good to see you. All right, Mr. DeVoe, good to see you. Praise God. So, the great test of our life, my friend, as God's children is coming. It's not coronavirus. The great test is still to come. How we treat other believers today. How we employ God's talents and abilities. How we use our money. How we spend our time. How many people we witness to and win to Christ. All these are going to come into play one day. See after. Our lives. Are reviewed and rewarded. In heaven. There's another event. Yep. There's another event. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Isn't that interesting how it progresses? First, he reviews our lives, our conduct, our service, our motives, and all of those things. Then he rewards us. Then we go to a banquet. The Marriage Supper. Because remember, the church is Christ's bride. And he is the bridegroom. And he's coming back for his bride. In my father's house are many mansions. You see, what happens, you gotta understand in the in the Jewish culture, what happened is that, and in those days, when the son is to get married, they would build unto the father's house. The quarters that he's going to have with his wife would be attached to the father's house. So he would build unto the father's house and he would then go fetch his bride and bring her to this place that is built to the father's house. And so when he says, in my father's house are many mansions, we're not so I told you, so I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what he's doing. The bridegroom prepares the place for the bride. Isn't that interesting? That the bridegroom has a house and a place prepared before he gets his bride. You know, I remember when I was a young boy and I was with my grandparents, I remember that when they were talking, I could hear that when someone is going to get married, I mean, like they have their daughter and a young man is entrusted, they would ask him, where are you going to take my daughter? They want to know if he has the ability to put her in a proper place. Does he have plans for a house or does he have a house already? Where is he going to take her? And in those days, there was an expectation that the man should have a place prepared and ready for to take his bride. It's not too, like today. That was the expectation in those days. And they got that from the biblical thing. And so that's what's going to happen. Christ is coming for his bride. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Hallelujah. And he's coming again to take us there. That where he is, will be also. So in Revelation 19, 7 to 9, it says this. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Hallelujah. Fine linen, bright and clean. That's why he's coming from a church that is spotless, without wrinkle. Remember the Bible says that? Was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. So remember Jesus said to the disciples in the last supper, he says, I will not eat another supper with you until that time. Well, that's the supper he's talking about. That's the next supper we're going to sit with Christ and eat. It's going to be a wonderful thing what a what a, what a what a thing is ahead, eh? What a wonderful thing is ahead, my friend, oh hallelujah, my goodness, you want to be serving God, you want to live right, my friend. We are here, but uh, you know it's okay to get a good education, it's okay to get a good job, it's okay to 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 go on vacation, it's okay for all of those things. nothing is wrong with them, but I gotta tell you, you' better be ready for the most important time. That's key. Young people that are watching. Don't be misled. Don't be carried away to misunderstand what you need to be ready for. How you need to be prepared. Because what's really important? The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It says that we must lay up our treasures in heaven. Where month rust does not go, it cannot, it cannot decay. Not, do not lay up your treasures on earth. So many people are focused on laying up their treasures here. And not many are laying up their treasures in heaven. So I'm going to tell you, my friend, we need to think about that. And if every time we get a chance to reflect, it is now. We get a chance to think now. I want to encourage you. It's time to reflect and to recognize what is really important. I know you have the mortgage payment or the rent or the car to pay for. I know some of you are going to school and you still have to graduate and all those different things. And they're important. I'm not saying they're not. But I got to tell you. Getting ready for that day that is coming, the day of test, the day when we'll be tested by the Lord. I cannot tell you, that's the biggest test we'll ever have to face. and We better be ready for that. More ready than we are for anything else. So, my friend, I want to encourage you this evening. Let's get ready. Brother Robert, good to see you. Let's get ready. Let's prepare for when he comes. And remember, the rapture can take place at any time. I didn't get to talk about what is going to take place on earth while we're in heaven. We just talked about what we're doing in heaven. You know, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to review our life, review our conduct, and all those things. We're going to be rewarded. And we're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But what's taking place on earth? We're going to answer that question next time. We're going to answer what's taking place on earth. You want to know. But you don't want to be here. When you hear what's going to take place on earth. You don't want to be here. So I look forward to doing that with you next time. I want to encourage you to join us. On Sundays, we do have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We're coming to you with Facebook Live and streaming from our website. You go to www.lobc.org. Um, Let me get a sip of water here because I don't want to cough with you. Go to and and uh, you will be able to click on the Facebook symbol. Or you can click on Watch Sermon Live on Sundays at 10 a.m. But on Tuesdays, we come to you by Facebook Live. On Tuesdays. Set up a friend. Get your friends to a watch party. Um, We're going to continue to look at end times for a while. A couple weeks. And then we're going to start studying some books. um, To look at different books. And to interest in books. Learn some good things from them. You don't want to miss out. Now uh we had a great time at prayer this morning with the Francis. Every Tuesday at ten, you can call in on the prayer line. We pray pray together. It's a wonderful time. On Wednesdays, tomorrow, we're going to be having the uh Awana people. The Awana, the class the children are gonna be on Awana. There's a Awana for children. You can tap into that. And then on Thursdays, the youth, both groups schoolers and the high schoolers uh, will be online, and then on Friday <laughs> there will be prayer. Oh my goodness! Mondays we have uh, we have now Insta Level Two. Tuesdays we have level, Insta Level One. Wednesdays we have Insta Level One, and Insta Level One is going on at the same time that a one, that a one is going on. So you know we're we're having multiple things going on right now. Um, And and right now, as I'm talking to you, their Insta Level 1 is going on right now. Uh, There's a group that's taking Insta Level 1 right now. They're they're missing this, but they'll be able to come on and look at it later on. So lots of stuff are happening. In spite of the fact that we're not meeting a church, we've made it possible, praise God, and through the various technology, we're able to have things going and connect So we thank God for each and every one of you. I uh, want to give God praise to so you. Continue to support the church. who will continue to send your tithes and offering. Going online and doing so. Those who continue to text. I want to give the text. If you want to text your tithe. Let me give you that number again. For those who want to use that. It's 833-385-0418. You text the word give. Eight three three text the word give. Others are going online at lwbc.org and clicking and giving. We appreciate that, Uh, and we thank God for each and every one, and we're praying blessings. Well, I'll tell you what. We don't want to forget uh, the frontline workers. We thank God for all of them, and uh, every time I come to you, I want us to put our hands together, and give them a big round of applause. So let's do that right now. Come on. Let's thank the frontline workers. We appreciate them. Thank God for them, for every one of them, in every area, wherever they work. We appreciate them. We are we are backing them up with prayer because they need it more than ever before. And my friend, I want to encourage you, as you go out today, uh, I want to encourage you to wear your mask uh, because uh, the numbers have changed. Your prediction of the death rate has changed because of the opening up of the economy. Uh, What's happening now is that they have revised the numbers upward, and that's why you want to be wearing your mask. So when you get out there, wear your mask, my friend. Remember, you are responsible for you. And when you wear your mask, you help the next person. When the next person wears their mask, they help you. And what we're called to do is to help one another. We're in this thing together. We need to stand together. So let's wear our masks. Let's not be like some people that I see on TV, that they're gathering and walking across the street, and a lot of them, and no mask on. And that's going to cause a problem. So I want to encourage you, all of everybody who watches Living Word Open Bible, you know you need to wear your mask. And I want to tell you, God's going to bless you for walking in obedience and doing the right thing. So, my friend, please wear your mask all the time when you're in public and with anyone else. So I want to pray God's blessing on you and your family. I want to thank God for you joining us. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you will become like a theme song for us. I'm sort of going to develop this as a theme song as we close. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With love and strength. For each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. My friend, God will make a way for you. He will. He'll make a way. He'll protect you, cover you under the blood, and he will make a way. If you have lost your job, God will make a way for you. We're going to pray for you right now. If you are going through a difficult time, God's going to make a way for you. Whatever your struggles, whatever your situation, God is going to make a way. We're so glad for those of you that join us for the first time. We appreciate you coming on. Thank God for you and all our old-timers. We're happy to have you just as well. But we're thankful for first-timers. Tell others, uh, share with others to join us. And we're especially thankful for the young people that are joining us. Praise God for all those young ones. We shout out to you all, young people that are joining us. In the Bible study. Remember now we have an Instagram page. Living Word has an Instagram page, so you want to go to Instagram, look at our page and what's going on there. Our young people are working with that, and they're doing a great job, and it's connected to our Facebook page as well, so you should be able to take a look, see what's the activities that are upcoming. The webinar, remember we're having this webinar on May 16th. That's not this coming Saturday. The following Saturday at 6 p.m., we're having a webinar where we're going to be having two mental health counselors that's going to talk about coping with COVID-19 mentally and financially. We're going to have a, a nurse who is working with the COVID patients to give you an idea what it's like and some tips and so forth. And then what we're going to, I'm going to be dealing with the finances. I'm going to be talking about financing and how do you deal with financing in the midst of this crisis what do you do about your 401k uh, what do you do about stocks right now what 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 are the steps you should be taking how should you look at your finances right now what are some of the things you can do to protect yourself we're going to be looking at some of those things so it's going to be a webinar and you'll be able to send in your questions how about that you'll be able to send your questions in and we will be able to answer your questions so tell everybody about this webinar coming up saturday may 16th at 6 p.m., it's a Zoom webinar that's coming on Facebook Live. Hello, we're connecting Zoom and Facebook, and we're going to be having a webinar coming your way. So you don't want to miss out. Tell your friends. Uh, licensed counselors are going to be on to tell you about tips to cope with the stress, and then also to help you with your finances to understand what do you do. Because we're getting, we're heading. Into a recession. What 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 should you do as we head into a recession? What are the how can you take advantage of the situation financially? We're going to be talking about those different things. You don't want to miss it. We're going to explain some things for you financially, for you to understand what's happening, how the economy works financially. What are some of the things that you hear about on the radio? What it means and what to do. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to help you in so many ways. And you'll get to answer, you'll get to ask questions that will be answered. So we thank God for each of you. Well, let's pray as we ask blessing on you as we close this broadcast and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. But more importantly, also for you to pray with us on Friday night. All right, let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that the rapture can take place at any time. And we thank you that, God, that this is preparation time. Preparation time for whether when we come into the kingdom with you. When we are going to reign with you here on earth in the thousand years in the millennium. And God, you're going to review our life. You're going to reward us. On the basis of our activities and our attitudes and our motives and our conduct. God, we need to get ourselves right. We need to live right and do right and speak right. or Our words will be, we have to give an account of our words. And Lord, help us to recognize how serious this is. And if there's someone watching, God, who does not know you as Lord and Savior, May they realize that all they have to do right now is to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you died on the cross to pay the price of my sins. I receive you as my Savior in Jesus' name. When you say that, if if they'll say that from their heart and mean it, Lord, they will be saved. Their name will be written down in the Lamb's book of life. And then for the backslider, they just need to say, Lord, have mercy. I want to rededicate my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my waywardness. And I am coming back to you. And for the believer, may we say, Lord, give us grace and strength and wisdom to fulfill your purpose for our lives. And to live the way you want us to live. And to live lives that are pleasing to you. Help our attitudes, our conduct, and our motives so that when we stand before you, God, we will not be ashamed. So now, Father, I ask your blessing upon every household represented. Every household that is watching, every household that will watch. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. Be safe. Stay healthy. Stay under the blood. Wash your hands thoroughly. And wear your mask. God bless you. Amen.